1: In this series, we're heading deep into the heart of one of the most famous sporting tours in the company of those right in the middle of it. I'm talking about the Lions in South Africa, 1997. An epic tour for so many reasons, as you're about to find out. This is a 10-part series. You'll get the action midweek and on a Saturday, just like a Lions tour. So make sure you subscribe and follow us on social, at Inside Pod. And be warned, there's plenty of swearing, mainly on this first episode from Austin Healy. The Lions are back in South Africa in 2021 and I'm sure this will get us all in the mood. Enjoy.
2: The Lion. A ferocious predator. A roar to shake the savannas. Lions. The Regal Pride. The Family Unit. The Lions, the best rugby union players from Great Britain and Ireland. This is the story of the Lions on their most famous tour, South Africa, 1997.
3: Oh, wow. wow. 97 Lions was absolutely out of this world. I mean, it was champagne rugby. It gives me goose pimples
4: singing about it. It was a bit emotional as well. But I didn't really give a shit about the Lions. Into the
5: backyard of the current world champions. I
6: still look back at 97. The last three minutes was pretty heavy.
2: It was the greatest tour ever. Inside the Tour. The inside story told by those who were there. I became famous. Series 1. The Lions of 97.
1: Well, I hope that's got you fired up for a Lions summer. I can't wait to bring you these pods, 10 in total. Back in 1997, I was just starting out in my career. I had a deep love of rugby, but I didn't have a full appreciation of everything the Lions was about. The tradition, the history, the characters. It just pushed me deeper in love with the sport as a whole, and particularly with the British and Irish Lions themselves. The Lions of 97 have gone down in sporting folklore. A squad of household names, maybe the greatest coaching team of all time, the thunderous training, devastating tactics, and yes, even the drinking was hard to beat. I'm only here to set the scene and then nudge for a few juicy stories, there are plenty of those. I'm handing on now to our amazing Lions 97 cast, which includes some of the finest storytellers in sport. I'm Matt Dawson. Oh, hello. And I played scrum half. Keith Wood. I was the Lions hooker. I, I'm
4: Neil Jenkins, starting fullback. I'm Will Greenwood. I'm Scott Gibbs. This is Austin Healy.
7: My name's John Bentley. Hello. I was playing on the wing. I'm Doddy Weir, the big lock forward. I'm Rob Wainwright. From Scotland.
6: In the old days, you got a letter from the Home Nations Committee. So we'd like to formally invite you to tour with the British and Irish Lions to South Africa in 1997. Please respond to this within 48 hours or we'll assume you don't want to go." So what? I could have been out before. What happens if I've been out for two days, don't you? I'm Will
4: Greenwood. I played in the centre. I'm Austin Healey and this is the story of the 1997 British and Irish Lions. Well, the first time we all knew we were in with a chance of being selected, we were invited to the NEC in maybe March 1997. And Fran Cotton got up and said, the squad will come from this 60 or 70 people that were there. We'd like you to all get to know each other a little bit. You'll get a letter on the 5th of April. Uh, and if a letter does not arrive, you haven't been selected, please leave it a week and then call me and we can talk about why you haven't been selected. So the 5th of April arrives. I'm living in a house with two other guys that were in the initial squad, Craig Joyner and Will Greenwood.
6: Craig was in the initial squad, was he? Could he remember where we lived? Botchester, it's a little place just outside Kirby Muxlow. I was winging a prayer for me, really. Ours was... I wouldn't say he was nailed on, but it would have been a
4: surprise if he wasn't picked. Me? Will Greenwood hadn't been picked for England, was the standout player. Leicester had had a brilliant European campaign. He was arguably player of Europe um, through that campaign.
6: I was in reasonable form. He's very kind. One of those seasons where like cricketers are seeing it like a football golfers see the hole like a bucket uh, and everything that you try just tends to come off in those days you sort of knew that there was a letter coming you didn't know what day because who knows what day the post is but um, there was a view that there would that would be the day
4: I heard the postman come I legged it down the stairs in my uh, dressing gown saw two letters amongst the bills on the floor picked mine up put his inside my dressing gown and then started to cheer well he's like the Duracell bunny Oz, isn't he he's like Donkey from Shrek,
6: just bouncing up and down all the time. Computer games, should we play computer games, should we go out? Computer games, should we go out? Computer games, should we go out? Just, like, always on, always on. And I quite like my sleep, so I was always probably last up in the house.
4: He then woke up and ran down the stairs, this is about quarter past eight, and I can hear him ruffling around in the letters and he comes into the kitchen with his face down, and I, I just said, are you okay?" He said, I haven't got a letter. I said, I cannot believe you haven't got a letter. You deserve to go on that tour. That is an outrage.
6: Yo, he's shouting lions, 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 lions. It's like he's already picking up the song. So he's in and uh, no, I remember
4: he going, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. And then he suddenly goes, oh, mate. I said, I'll make you a cup of tea, sit down. So he sat down and made him a cup of tea and I just kept going saying, said, I can't believe, I'm gutted for you, mate, you definitely should go. And you never know, people get injured on these tours and people get flown out. And this go. I'm so sorry, so of me um, shaggy, because they would call me shaggy in those days from the cartoon character. You weren't, you know, uncapped. It was unlikely you were going to go anyway, so. And uh, I said, but it says here on the letter that there's seven Leicester players been selected and they're having a press conference at Welford Road at 11 o'clock today to announce the captain, Martin Johnson. So Jono's the captain, which is good. I said, can you give me a lift in? Because I want to have a few pints. I said, I'm sure the lads won't mind if you stay and have a few drinks as well, if you want to get a taxi. He said, no, no, I'll give you a lift and then I'm going to the gym.
6: The assumption for me was, well, I haven't made it. So it, was, it, it I, I, almost how arrogant of me to have even thought that I could have made it.
4: I said, okay. So we drove into Welford Road in his mini Metro.
6: Be good for you to, to see what's going on. And we're having a few beers so you can drive me in and you know just see what's happening. And I thought you know, I had a mini Metro C203 MFV 1.0. I thought, oh, that's really kind of him, to sort of include me in his time
4: of victory and his time of celebration. What a great mate he is. And just as we turned into the car park, Graeme Simmons, the Sky commentator, knocked on the window and said, well done, lads, congratulations. And we pulled off a little bit and I said to Will, is he taking the piss out of you or what? And Will was like... I think I said, probably, oh, he's a bit nasty. We'd just done an interview like, a couple
6: of weeks earlier for the European Cup final or something as well. So... um I thought, yeah, a bit a bit strange. But anyway, I thought, pushed it aside. And then it was, what does, he say, what does he say next? That there's a load of people taking pictures of me.
4: And then we stopped. And as we stopped, the, the car got surrounded by cameras. Congratulations, Will, an uncapped lion going on the tour. And when he turned round and looked over the car, I had opened his letter. And uh, he didn't take it all that well, to be honest.
6: Ah, uh, so he was waving a letter. You know, it's just, it's impossible to stay angry because you sort of want to be angry. But then, actually, what's the point in wasting anger? Because you've just been given some really
4: cool news. You know, he did things to me when we lived together which were unacceptable. Like, he made me watch Friends on a Friday night.
6: Uh, yeah, 9 to 9.30, Channel 4, in the old days, when you had to watch things in a linear fashion. As in, if you missed it, that was it. A 30-minute programme is actually only 24 minutes. I'm only asking for 24 minutes of the TV.
4: And so this was payback? I was immature, I didn't know any different. Did I have a swell of pride? I don't think I did. And people will listen to that and think that's disrespectful, but I'm just being honest. But I didn't really give a shit about the Lions. I I wanted to go, I needed the 30K, I wanted Stash, and apparently it was the thing to do.
8: I think of the characters. They all had maybe different egos, different personalities, but it brought the best out of them just seemed to be a really rich tour. 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 I'm Jill Douglas. I am a sports broadcaster and I am also CEO of My Name's Doddy Foundation. A real mixture of the jokers in the pack, then the more celebrated players, the superstars, the playboys. It just had such an incredible blend. And I suppose when I think about it, of course, one of the biggest characters has to be my big mate, uh, big lock forward Doddy Weir.
7: Well, I think every rugby player is quite special and to me it was a great honour. Uh, there was a lot of talks about the, in the press, who goes and who doesn't, who's in the team and who's not. But when that actual letter comes through the post and officially invites you to tour it's quite an amazing feeling because I think in rugby terms it's the pinnacle of rugby, playing for the Lions very special uh, very unique and to be part of it is just such an honour and uh, thoroughly enjoyed every minute of it I must admit so I've known Dodd
8: since we were in our teens. I knew him through sort of farming circles. We're both from Borders far, uh, farming families. And Cathy I knew before she met Doddy, really. So we've all been really good mates from when we were in our teens. He's been our best man, you know, God to each other's kids, all of that. So really good mate. He was always a larger than life character. So well liked, you know, he was just a force of nature. Always has been, still is. People love Doddy, and I mean that unreservedly. He is somebody who is very easy to love. To, love. to
7: love. to go into a rugby camp with your peers from other nations was quite daunting. So to team up with Martin Johnson and a few others was very special, but very nerve-wracking. And to try and get the whole party together was quite a difficult thing to do, but worked very well. The management were pretty special. Frank Cotton, great man.
9: Well, it's nice of Doddy to, uh, to say that, and I've been up a couple of times up there to the borders uh, to see him. No, it's nice to think that because as a manager, I didn't really view it in the normal sense of the word. I, I really focused the way I ran it on what did I what would I want as a player, what was important to me when I was on tour, and I tried to put that in place for the players.
7: Well, I think it was quite unique in a lot of ways. It was uh, the first professional rugby tour, but I don't think I had really a bearing on the camaraderie. It was still uh, put together like previous tours. Nineteen
9: ninety seven. Lines is unique and it'll never be repeated because, of course, we, uh, here in uh, Britain and Ireland, we're in our first year of professional rugby. So we had a, a unique combination where the players had played as amateurs, were now playing as professionals. And the benefit of that, that, we they had a very professional attitude to their match preparation, the way they looked after themselves. But they also brought with them some of the... Uh, the kind of amateur ethos, if you like, of uh, that ability to mix with anybody. I always say one of the great skills in life is knowing when to work and when to play. And that's uh, that's what they had.
7: So for the first time, the Scots had uh, gone well with English for the six weeks of the tour. And with that, I think you could see the results came from that.
8: If you think 97, it was just a couple of years after the Rugby World Cup had been in South Africa, which had opened our eyes and the game had turned professional. And a lot of my friends were taking professional contracts for the first time. 97, I was just about to start work with BBC Scotland as presenter of rugby special. And that was the first time a woman had been even considered to do such a job. So it was an exciting time for me. But particularly with the Lions, I think there was a real sense of adventure around it.
9: Fran Cotton, I was the manager of the 1997 British and Irish Lions. The selection process started when I went up to Murrayfield to see Jim and uh, Geeks, and we sat down together and went through position by position, what were the attributes we were looking for in each position to play against the box and uh, and beat them. We then had a the selector from each four countries, uh, and we gave them that brief. Said, so "Look, you know, this is what we want from the fullbacks, back row forwards, and so forth." And then they brought in a group of players that they thought matched those particular attributes. So it was a completely different selection process from the uh, uh, from the national teams. Although I did spend time with each of the national coaches, talking to me about what they understood the attributes of each of the players that they thought were good enough to go on the tour. So it was a, it was a very detailed selection process. We didn't just follow national selection, say England have picked him or Ireland picked him, he's automatically in. They had to meet the criteria of what we were looking for. I was very privileged
5: and fortunate
9: to be considered initially.
5: My name's John Bentley, I was playing on the wing and I toured with the British and Irish Lions in 1997 in South Africa. I'd had a phone call from Fran Cotton, and it wasn't even on my radar. I'd only just come back to Rugby Union with Newcastle, and I was sharing my year with, with Halifax Rugby League as well. So four months with Halifax, eight months with Newcastle, playing full time. And in January of, of 97, Fran Cotton gave me a call and said, Bentos, it's Fran. And I knew it was Fran. How are you doing? He said, uh, he said one quick question, are you available to tour with the Lions in in the summer in South Africa? And I lied, because I said yes because technically I wasn't. I was um, contracted to play professional rugby league. He said, well, with all due respect, you're running right with Newcastle, we need to get a, you a you run with with England, eh? Uh, leave it with me. Anyhow, he rang me back about three weeks later and said, the news I'm going to deliver comes as little surprise to either of us. England won't touch you. And I knew, I, I got that. You know, I was probably playing some of the best rugby in my career, but, but I was thirty. and England was about the future and moving forward, whereas the Lions was about there and then, and, you know, in, eight, nine months' time. So it was remarkable to be even considered.
9: I do remember phoning Halifax Rugby League Club to say that we were thinking of picking John and, uh, of course, the Rugby League season coincided with the uh, the Lions tour and would they release him? And, of course, being a typical bluff northern of the chairman, uh, who was trying to squeeze some money out of it, said, well, I'm, you know, I'm not so sure and... Uh, you know, you know, how much money we're we talking about. I said, well, do you want to tell John that you've refused to let him to go on the tour? Oh, no, I didn't mean that, I didn't mean that. So, uh, anyway, Bentos was uh, was selected and, uh, you know, Halifax were happy in the end.
5: It was difficult at home, you see. I had three young children, I had a, a, a little boy. I remember leaving home on his seventh birthday, Lloyd. I had a daughter who was five, and I had a, a, another daughter, that was fair, and another daughter called Melly who was six months old. And, you know, to leave them for two months was a big ask for me. And my wife said to me, you'd be extremely selfish if you go on this trip. It was weighing up the, the, the options of, of, do I fulfil my duty to play the professional rugby league at home and, and, and have a secure income from that? Or do I take the risk and, and tour with the British and Irish Lions on a tour that was into the backyard of the current world champions? You know, we weren't given much of a chance either. You know, so hopefully I will complete the tour. We might win a test match, uh, a test series. I didn't think there was little hope of of us doing that. So I I sat on it for a couple of days and then just I just said to my wife, there are certain things in life that money can't replace. And this is one of them. I have to go on the trip. And she said, fine, I'm going. And then I left home. Tony Underwood, we we travelled together, Tony and I, down to Weybridge in Surrey. you know, really excited, but but odd, oh, bizarrely, leaving my family behind for, for two months, you know, which was a big ask for me. We basically tried to become a team in that week at Weybridge.
2: Weybridge, Surrey, just south of the Thames to the west of London. Welcome to the Oatlands Park Hotel, the site of a Tudor palace built by Henry VIII reputedly for Anne of Cleves. It's the Lions' base for a week before their flight to South Africa.
5: I knew the Newcastle boys, and there were five of us. I knew all the Rugby League boys. I'd never met Delalio, I'd never met Johnson, I'd never met Gus Scott, and I'd asked Tony on the way down about certain individuals. You know, what's he like and what's he like? and It had to be about the rugby this trip. You know, previous tours I'd been on, the rugby hadn't always been the primary focus, you know, the joviality and the jerking around and carrying on alarming, perhaps was. So having made the sacrifice, whether it was, was the financial ones with the with the rugby league contract or with the family, I had to give myself the best chance in terms of, and I went to blend. I went just to, just to fill in in the background and what have you.
3: I'm Scott Gibbs. This is Inside the Tour with the Lions in 1997. I kind of distinctly remember Keach's opening salvo about sacrifice and leaving your mobile phones at home for the next 12 weeks. Quite easy for a Welshman because I don't think any of us had them at that time. It was only the privileged English who had their international cell net coverage. But I thought that was another sharp focus about, right, this is what it's going to take. We have to leave everybody behind, hugs and kisses, say your goodbyes, and then focus on within with kind of radical transparency and along the way having some thoughtful disagreement about how we go forward. Everybody spoke to me. Everybody seemed to speak to me
5: and I, I was a little bit of a neutral because the Celts don't particularly like the English, do they? Let's be honest. But then again, I'm a Northern boy and I don't particularly like the English either, so I'm a little bit chippy, but everybody spoke to me and I, the Irish lads were good as God. There were only four Irish boys but the, the, the Welsh in particular, and perhaps some of the... They were whining about some of the English boys, about Tim Robber and about
3: Martin Johnson and about Gus Gert and Delaglio. No whining at all, no, no. I Listen, I think the two key elements for, you know, a great group with a shared goal, like a common goal is that you have to have personalities. And I'm not a funny person. You know, I keep my head down. I get on about my business, but I do like to be surrounded by some of those types of characters. And, and clearly on this tour, we, we had several, you know, Doddy being one and Bendos being the other. And I was listening
5: to, and, I like, and we had a team meeting and I remember standing up and I, I, I was very honest with everyone else, look, I, f- I feel really privileged to be here amongst these players, some amazing rugby players in the room. Of which you know, I didn't really qualify. I'd had a sabbatical playing rugby league for years, and but I did say to them that nobody gives us a chance. And actually, I'm listening to people whining about you. You're whining about each other, and I just said that what to give ourselves the best possible chance of being successful, you need to put your differences to one side, just for a short period of time, just for two months. That's all you have to do. Just put them and try and become a team and
3: blend to give us a chance. And and we did. You know, to give credit to, to, to John is that he is very vocal. And you cannot help but being caught up in his own vortex and his own emotion because he's either high or he's either low, and he will tell you exactly how he feels on the field, off the field. So, those are the slings and arrows of John's emotional roller coaster that you have to embrace. And I spent a, a bit of time with John off the field during that tour, shared a room with him, you know, sat next to him on a bus on several occasions, and clearly felt that uh, emotion. And that's his passion, that's, that's his DNA. And that, that will always be a significant element to the bonding of the trip. I felt it was important. You know, we were there to play rugby. You know, we weren't particularly there to
5: make friends, but it, but it did help that we did. It was perhaps a little bit bolder. I, I ran the risk of people turning around and saying, who the hell does he think he is saying that? You know, but they didn't, and, and we did. We did, we did unite. We remembered for being the happy tour. That was, was amazing. Happiness, everybody was smiling all the time. Yeah, there were disappointments and not everybody's having a good day and whatever. And you deal with those internally. Um, But it was always looking back about, it was a happy tour. We sat in a big, massive hall and they spoke about the
4: history and then everyone stood up and said, is there any chance we can just try and make our own history rather than talking about 1974? Because there's quite a few of the lads in here that weren't actually born then. So why do we keep going on about it? Uh, And can we go and get our free stash? because the stash room was in an equal big room and the stash giveaway was just mind-boggling. I got a lift down, got a lift in Jono's Ford Scorpio. For some reason, everybody wanted to drive and leave their car at Weybridge. You had to rent space in people's cars for stuff that you were nicking out of the uh, stash room. Have you got any space in your car? Yeah, I have. Can I put some stuff there? No, no, you can't. Everything. Stealing blazers, shirts, trousers, number one shoes. They were stealing chinos, blue shirts, jackets, trainers, boots. I mean, as if you haven't got enough kit. We must have got seven full holdalls of kit. It was the biggest stash giveaway in history. This is Austin Healy. I'm Will Greenwood. And we're on the Lions Tour to South Africa in 1997.
6: So much kit. So much kit. Is that all he remembers? Kit. And Robin Kit. Robin Kit off Robin Money. Oh, my God. I mean... So, what's amazing about names you remember? Head of Adidas. Might not have been Head of Adidas, but he's like Head of Adidas. What a name. Robin Money. Robin Money. I mean, Robin Money. The more I think about it, I'd never even associated Robin... With money. And literally, that's just come to me. I always just thought, wow, it's called money, that's amazing. I hadn't actually thought Robin money. So Robin money is looking after
4: a kit room and protecting it from a man called Austin Healey. I think it was the first chance to get multi-sponsors across all the kits. So you'd have a... Was it Scottish Provident, I think it was? Yeah. Yeah, I think it was Scottish Provident. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a, They gave us a glass ball. I've still got a glass ball, a paperweight. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and then when we got to South Africa, they gave us a gold bar, which obviously oh, I've no, caught a, one of those. Yeah, Lions ninety-seven gold bar. So I kept those. Mm-hmm. Everything else, my dad. You my, take
1: that to Gringotts.
4: Yeah, <laughs> everything else, my dad sold on Birkenhead Market.
5: <laughs>
6: I can now tell you exactly where in the loft, because you give away so much kit and quite rightly so to charities and stuff, but there are just certain pieces of stash. You remember and I've got a couple of things from 97 and I still use the towel with WG on um, it's just an epic moment and those are I still look back at 97
5: as the greatest tour ever I always remember our first meeting so we arrived on the Sunday on the Monday morning um, Fran, Jim and Geach addressed us for the first time as a group of lions, and in the corner of the room, there was a tripod and a camera, and we were being filmed. And there were a couple of guys in the room with the camera equipment, and I didn't know who they were.
0: That was us, yeah, that was us.
5: Never met them before, and they'd not been introduced.
0: Uh, OK, Bentos, I'm happy to uh, introduce myself now. I'm Duncan Humphreys, I'm a cameraman. And I'm Fred Rees, and we made the film Living with the Lions. Fred and I had worked quite a bit together in various on, on various things, and I knocked on the door and Fred was doing nothing, and we went to the pub. And I said, well, I don't know, why don't we go and make a film about the Lions? Yeah, we just thought, wouldn't it be brilliant to be able to make a documentary about the upcoming Lions tour? And that was about four pints in. And in a sort of a fit of sort of drunken enthusiasm, we decided we would actually pursue it. So the following day, I think after that session in the pub, Dunk got on the phone and phoned up Frank Cotton.
9: I've got to say, I was extremely nervous about giving it the green light because uh, you're never quite sure how this is going to come out. I remember the meeting, meeting them, and they were very, very nice people. Uh, I mean, you had to be with them for uh, five, ten minutes to know you're dealing with genuine people who were. Uh, extremely good at their uh, their job but by the time i met them it was a fate of coming. they were going to do it all i was interested in to make sure they didn't interfere you know and that they blended into the background and uh, they assured me that was uh, their approach i got talking to them as you do and there's a the week i guess and on the friday night
5: during the drinking session um i ended up still talking to them and they didn't have the camera with them and i said "Come on, lads, then. Why are you here? What are you doing? And they said, oh, we want fly on the wall. And I said, oh, you'll never get it. There's only a player can get fly on the wall. You'll never be able to get fly on the wall. And that's all I said.
0: I mean, obviously, Bentos has a slightly rose-coloured view of that. (laughs) Because when we turned up to do the shoot, we'd already decided that we were going to try and give the players cameras. So we had these three little DV cameras that we turned up with. Um, So that was always on our agenda to get them to try and help. Um, I mean, obviously, John was fantastic in that and sort of leapt into it and grasped it with both hands and, you know, his enthusiasm <laughs> for that shines through in the film and it's a really integral part of the film. And it did really, really help. And he was right in so much as that there's certain things that they could get that, you know, we would never be able to because people would start feeling self-conscious if, you know, if we're hanging around with ever social, more social situations filming them. So, yeah, so John definitely yeah he was he was he was very enthusiastic about that and um yeah he did a great job
9: looking back at break out and a cold sweat thinking about it but uh we had a lot of great personalities on that trip in terms of the players and uh that really came through in the in the video and i think helped in the making of the film because they uh the players themselves responded to
1: it They did indeed. And we'll have a special edition on that groundbreaking film, Living with Lions, later in the series. So I hope you've enjoyed this first episode of the series. Don't forget to join the conversation at Inside Tour Pod, particularly if you know of anyone whose name can beat the Lions kit supplier.
6: What a name! Robin Money.
1: Robin Money. Robin Money. Robin, Robin money. money. I mean, Robin Money. <laughs> great names for jobs, great names, full stop. Peak rugby clubhouse humour, I get that, but it is funny. Send us your suggestions at Inside Tour Pod. On episode two, our amazing Lions cast welcomes another familiar voice. I was a young pup, sort of following the crowd and a little bit sort of wide eyed and dizzy about the whole thing. But um, looking back, the first week at the hotel, Oaklands Hotel, it it really kicked us off before we'd even got to South Africa. That's Matt Dawson, who joins the Inside the Tour cast for episode two, The Bonding, arguably the most crucial stage of the whole adventure. This is a 9419 production for Audi.